This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. My guest today is Northfielder Tim Goodwin. Tim's day job is Associate Professor of Education at Bemidji State University, teaching in their online, hybrid, undergraduate, and graduate programs. His night job? Well, of course. He's a gifted singer-songwriter and guitar player who gigs solo and as a duo. His sweet spot genre-wise is folk, Americana, and blues. Tim is also an author who writes primarily about teaching and learning and ecological identity environmental literacy. His talents abound. It's time to hear some of Tim's original songs and get to know him better. Let's talk with Tim Goodwin. Hey, Tim. Welcome to Musician Talk. Hello. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I have to say yesterday, I have to say something about it because I felt like um, I was being broken out of a jail with the sun and the and the warmth, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what a gorgeous, gorgeous day! We were able to get out and do anything. I hope so. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Great. You spent some time outside. I did. I um, was part of the um, the the uh, the, uh, the 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 march yesterday. Yes, um, right. It was a vigil. The moms for, demand action. Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. a part of that too. Yeah. And yeah. we were down at Bridge Square singing and listening to some people speak about some powerful things. It was yeah. amazing. I want to thank Wendy for having Musician Chuck on her show, which I have failed to do on 52 shows. So this is a new thing today. Thank you, Wendy. All right, Tim, I want to dig right in and start with your musical journey. Take us through your musical life. Uh, well, um, as a kid, I did the usual piano lessons and, and things of that nature. I wasn't real good at practicing mm-hmm. um and i was in band for a while and again i wasn't real good at practicing what did you play i played saxophone okay um not terribly well <laughs> <laughs> and i uh and then a little ways into high school i i chose sports um over over the music and looking back i kind of think well maybe I, i'm not sure i made the right choice there but <laughs> well it got you where you are right yeah, i and, mean whatever choices yeah, you made and my, and my mom was a musician um she played piano and the ukulele and sang she's Ooh. got a real real good ear good pitch um but it wasn't like we were a music household got it. you know and uh and so it kind of just sat dormant with me for quite a while into my adulthood i had a guitar played around with it a little bit didn't do much with it until um quite a bit later and then i started getting more serious about songwriting and and, and learning songs and 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 trying to learn to sing, which is always an ongoing battle. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So did you take lessons? No. So you're completely self-taught on the yeah, guitar. Yeah. Well, and how did you decide not to take lessons? That's uh, kind of a backwards question. Yeah, yeah. It was more I was an adult at that point and, and already had a job and had kids and it was just... Busy enough. Yeah, right. And so it was just, well, I'll just learn some chords and... And you and, did. And, and, you know, it works for some people, and some people, it yeah, just... I, and it limits me. I I don't really consider myself a guitar player. I play guitar so I can write songs oh. and play my songs and, and play other songs. But um, I don't... Um, I'm not a lead guitar player. I'm never comfortable, you know, doing that kind of... Improv kind of Improv thing. work. Yeah. yeah, it's just not... Um, I'm still confounded by the fretboard often. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. And so when did you start writing songs? Um, well, I started writing songs. The first few songs I wrote were in high school. Um, when I, and I would do that on the piano. And um, I don't remember any of those songs, what they were. Or, um, and, um, and, and then I, every now and then I would write a song um, if I would have a moment of inspiration or an idea. But um, it was pretty sporadic. And it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago that I really kind of decided... I want to write songs, and so I'm going to set aside time to to do that, and I'm going to do some work to figure out how to do it, and and be more cognizant of of song structures and 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 allowing uh, format and form and structure to to aid and 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 open up creativity. Awesome. Um, which is what that does often. You yeah, know, you know. knowing the structure, knowing the rules before right. you break them is yeah. another, another right. thing, yeah. too. Right. Um, I, I'm interested in how knowing the structures helps you write songs. Just for those people that don't know, what do you mean by structure? Let's start with that. Um, so if you're writing, you know, a, a typical structure for like a blues song might be a 12-bar blues, and there's a chord progression for that. Um, and which is why so many blues songs sound so much the same, right? right? Um, and then there's you know there's a there's a structure for folk songs and pop songs, and you know a, a real a common format might be you know verse, verse, and a chorus, and then a verse, and then a bridge, and then a chorus, and then you're done. Yeah. Right? And you know, and so you um, you can start with that structure, and and then that can give you a framework, and and then you can have a structure of rhyming patterns. Sure. You know, um, you know, the A A B B rhyming pattern, where the first two lines rhyme and the second two lines, or a, a more common structure is um, the second and fourth line of a stanza will rhyme. And, right. You know, and right. Um, so start those of you out there. Start listening to songs. Start listening for the um, for the structure of songs. Where does it rhyme? Where does the chorus come in? And the chorus is usually the repeated part, and usually right. the bridge is has different chord a different chord structure than the rest of the song. Yeah, Sounds the, a little different. Usually, kind of maybe lifts up the song. Yeah, the bridge is often um, the the moral of the story, if ah, you will. Yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way. You know, the, nice. That the, the the verse might tell the story, introduce characters. Um, the the chorus will be the hook, and and you know, musically and lyrically, it's something that you might sing along to. You know, right. and and then the bridge might come along and say, "Well, here's what it's about." You nice. know, in case you didn't get it, <laughs> <laughs> let me lay it out for you. Yeah, right. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's just move right into keep going with the songwriting rather, and talk about the first song that we're going to play, which is called "My Heart Aches." And you wrote this with, uh, well, I you know I'm just going to stop right there and let you tell the story because <laughs> okay. it's great. Well, this is a song. Um, I wrote the first verse of this song. Um, and th- this is a true folk song, protest song. Um, and, and at that time, that's what I was writing most, mostly. Um, and so this, the first verse was inspired, or I wrote right after um, the Michael Brown um, young man was killed in Ferguson. Yeah. And, and I, so I had this idea of we've, at that time, we've, we've, we've um, been marching 50 years and 500 miles from, from the Mississippi 
Emmett Till and, and to Ferguson mm. and um, a little poetic license with the time and the miles between those two sure. places. But right. um, And then it, it sat. Um, I wrote a version of it and then it kind of sat. And then um, in 2018 or 19, uh, I took it to a songwriting workshop with Eliza Gilkison, who's a um, she's been a folk singer for a long time. Her dad was um, a well-known folk singer um, in the 50s and 60s, um, Terry Gilkison. And, um, and she's had a long career with Red House Records. And, and, uh, and I've followed her career ever since a friend of mine um, took me to see her. We actually were going to see Greg Brown, and she was opening for Greg Brown mm. at the Cedar. And um, and my friend Glenn said, let's go see Greg Brown, but I really want you to hear Eliza. She's really what it's about. And oh. it was after her first album on Red House came out in 20, uh, 2000. So she'd been around for a while. But And uh, I just fell in love with her music. Mm. And I've followed her ever since. And um, then I uh, learned about this workshop she does in her home in Taos, New Mexico. So went down there and, and brought this song and wasn't planning on um, bringing this song to the workshop. Um, it was I'd kind of written it to express some some angst and right, and whatnot, right? And then it just like, well, it's it's just there, you know, yeah. and it's not. And um, and then at the last day of the workshop, she asked for anybody who wanted to share a song that we could play with and just tear apart and take it apart and look at the pieces and maybe put it back together again. And, and so I said, well, I have this song that, um, you know, I'd let, that'd be fine with us doing that to it. I'm, it's, it's kind of a dormant song. I'm not planning on doing right, anything with it. And tear it. Yeah. Right. And, um, and it's a little bit of a non-traditional structure. It doesn't follow that verse chorus structure. And, um, and so we played, I played through it once and, um, the way we were sitting in the room, um, Eliza Gilkison was sitting behind me on one side and John Gorka was sitting behind mm-hmm. me on the other side. <laughs> and um, wow. so it's a bit intimidating. Yeah. And, um, but they have, they're sitting behind you, so I think you're not intimidated when you're playing it for everybody else in the, in the class. And uh, we, we got through it, and by the time we were through the first time singing it, people were already starting to sing along with Wow. With the tagline in it, wow. and so I was already feeling that, and yeah. then we got done, and and I had John Gorka already starting to play guitar with it wow. behind me, <laughs> and then when we got done, I heard Eliza go, "Oh my god," wow. and I just chills, you know, and, and oh, even I just it, got chills, yeah, just like, oh my hero, <laughs> yes, <laughs> she likes it, and then, um, so then we we abandoned what we were going to do and we just started working on the song. So you're polishing it instead of reconstructing yeah, it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we, um, started, we, we worked on just some of the, some chords and some phrasing and things like that. And, and, uh, we played it again and everybody then sang, we had a part for them to sing. Oh. And, um, and then I got done the second time and I heard her lean back to her son who was also there, who, uh, was producing the album she was working on, and she said, "I want to put this on my album." <laughs> oh my God. And you know that's like the dream, right? Yeah, yes. you know somebody who is uh, 
is a hero of yours that yes. wants to do one of your songs. So oh, Tim, how special! And that so is I um, wonderful. So then we, I had to get in my car and drive home after that from <laughs> Taos. And, <laughs> Did you speed, or were you just going really slow? Cause I just basically drove straight from Taos to Minnesota. You, yeah, know? you had a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is. And uh, cool. and so then we, over the next couple months, we, um, she had said, "Well, try these things." Um, if you, if you do these things with it, I think it could really work for what I want. And I'm like, oh, I'll do whatever you want. Right. And um, and so then I worked on it, sent her a recording, and then she worked on it and and sent me a recording back and basically kept the first half of it as I had written it, and then rewrote the second half, taking the themes I had, but then changing the chords and and making it much more poetic. Um, and, so you um, go to a workshop and you end up collaborating with your hero and the leader of the workshop. Tim, that is just impressive. Yeah, it was, it was um, well, it's a highlight of my music career, oh, yeah. such as it is, right? I'd say. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was really, um, really quite a moment yeah. for me. And then you recorded this as well I for did. your yeah. uh, album, The American, sorry. The, the American, New American new, Way. The New American Way. Yeah. You recorded it in 2020 during COVID. Yes. Yeah. And so, of course, you would put this on. I'm not going to ask you the question I always ask, which is, why did you decide to put this song on your album? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's pretty clear. Why? And so tell me a little bit about recording this and how did you, how did you decide what, what instruments to use and singers. Mm. There's a story there, too. Right? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of it, because it was COVID, <laughs> it was uh, a lot of it by necessity. Um, I was mm. recording um, in my home, my little home studio. And, um, and so I, you know, I was going to do the guitar obviously Mm -hmm. myself. And then, um, as COVID hit, then it got really hard to get other musicians, um, friends of mine who I wanted to be a part of it, uh, to be a part of it. And, and, um, uh, so a good friend of mine, Bruce Jensen plays bass on a lot of the songs in the album, um, but not on this one. Mm. Um, and, um, and so for this, I had to borrow an electric bass and um you and, stretched yourself <laughs> and there play nice. that yeah and uh and then the percussion bits were um pieces that i did um so uh, which I, i'm not a drummer so i had to i could do hi-hat if i did it by itself and i could do <laughs> you know the rim shot by itself but not at the same time because oh, no, you know <laughs> that, that's too much coordination that's a lot of <laughs> right so, that's a lot of work right yeah a lot of editing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so that's how it came together, and it was, and it was more at this point. It was you know March, April of 2020. So we were in full lockdown at that yeah. point, and then my daughter was sent home from college, mm-hmm. and so it's like, well, I got a backup singer. Nice. <laughs> she's stuck in the house with us. So, and so she's Linnea's her, her name, and she's <laughs> singing, she's singing on this on this yes. tune with you. Yeah, she sings. She, she sang in this song and um, and many of the other songs on the album and she's got a wonderful voice she does she does indeed all right well so let's it's time let's take a listen to my heart aches co-written by my guest tim goodwin and eliza gilkison and performed by tim on all the instruments and singing and singing also is his daughter linnea Fifty years and five hundred miles 
Mississippi Bridge to the Ferguson trial. Stepping over bodies of the mother's sons. Singing out someday we shall And so many miles With folded hands And complacent smiles And then the generation Of the circumstance And all we were saying signs with our own denials Waiting for some others to take a stand And hammer out justice all All over this land My heart aches My heart aches For the children locked in cages Far away where no one sees For the helpless and the hopeless For the homeless refugees My heart aches My heart aches For the voices who've been silenced At the mercy of our grief For the prisoners of conscience Who speak out for those in Made 
Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. We just played My Heart Aches, an original tune co-written by my guest, Tim Goodwin and Eliza Gilkison. Tim plays all the instruments on this song, and he sings as well with his daughter, Linnea. Well, it's a very powerful song. Thank you. And it's, the themes are solemn and important. And so thank you for writing it. It touches your heart, that's for sure. And Linnea sounds wonderful as well as you. And good job on all the instruments. <laughs> and that, that shaker, you just right there, solid with it. Nice. <laughs> and the bass, too. So um, you mentioned before we started talking about this song that you were, at the time you wrote this song, you were singing, you were writing mostly protest songs. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that and why? Um, well, I think partly um, I live a very middle-class, privileged, fortunate life. Um, and I don't have a lot of... I've been happily married. I have... My kids are great. And and so I don't have that well to draw from, sure. if you will. And, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm in tune to the world. Um, and I, I try and have empathy. Mm. And, and so that is where that comes out. In, in the songwriting and th- that song in particular you know the, the first three verses I have a line from we shall overcome and then you know uh, uh, give peace a chance by John Lennon and then um, the, the, the hammer song by uh, Pete Seeger and and part of the genesis was that it's been 50 years and maybe we need to do more than sing right right and um, and so it was a bit of a critique of that and so naturally I wrote a song about it um mm. so it just added to the songs of, yeah. and and uh and so but it that was a way of 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 reading about what's going on and and expressing concern and 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 adding to the to the voices saying something yeah um saying this is wrong yeah now we need to and change something though i i that song now i i don't like to perform it as much or I'm cautious about performing it um, because part of what it is also doing is it's as the narrator of the song it's saying all these things that are troubling but really affecting mostly other people and then it's bringing it back to me and my heart aches and and uh, that can be problematic right too. you don't want it to be about you right and but you also want it let those that aren't as privileged as you and those that are suffering, let them know that your heart aches for them. Yeah, and so I, 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 I sing it um, sometimes with mixed feelings towards that. It's like sure. oh, I'm a little conflicted about if I should be singing this still or if I should just be lifting up those other voices somehow. But yeah. Well, it's a beautiful song, and it deserves to be heard. I wholeheartedly support you playing it and to let people know that you're an ally. Yeah. I think it's good to yeah. know. I think that's good to know. Um, also, I just want to touch on, uh, so your daughter Linnea sings on this song, and you said uh, on your album, The New American uh, Way, she sings on most, multiple so- most songs? Most of them, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That, and how, how, how did that happen? How did you start roping in your daughter <laughs> to be a part of your project? Well, you know, she, she was, um, she's, she's a, a great musician herself. And um, I haven't been able to get her to to write songs yet, but but she um, she's a really talented singer and and she's a really great piano player, 
and um, and then has picked up ukulele and so started to um, sing and play. So it was a natural and, fit. And so she was doing more of that, and so she would um, come into the studio space and record stuff on her own sometimes ah, too and nice. and and uh and i would help her with the with the tech on that and um so then when i was doing this i just um said i got stuff for you to sing if you're if you're willing and so i would play something for her and let her figure out what she wanted to do with it and a couple of songs she's like i don't see anything for me to do in this and i was like no I'll keep listening there's something here for you and, <laughs> nice. and uh and and she would come back with with um a, a part that I thought, that's exactly it yeah that's exactly oh, right so well, how yeah. wonderful and uh she was stuck home during covid um quarantining with us so what a great project to have during so, covid with your child so it, i she was probably reluctant you know she's <laughs> 21 and it's like i don't want to do this and these songs are dumb, you know. <laughs> oh, I, I highly doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. How wonderful that she she pitched in and was willing to do that. And uh, I just, uh, what a memory and what a thing that you have now for the rest of your life that you've done with her and that yeah, it's yeah. Uh, that you've captured it. Yeah, as you know, I mean, singing with your kids is there's really nothing better. No, there's than nothing doing better. music with your kids. Yeah, that that is so true. So true. I feel that too. Um, so you're, you're a teacher. We didn't talk. We talked. In the beginning, you talked just exclusively about your um, musical journey, but you are uh, you're a teacher as well. And so, uh, why don't you tell us a little, just a little bit about that, and then um, uh, segue into perhaps how music informs your teaching. Sure. Um, well, I'm I was a science teacher, not a music teacher, um, and I taught high school and middle school science for twenty years, um, Cannon Falls. Um, in Faribault, uh, here in Northfield at um, Art Tech Charter School. I was one, one of the founding teachers of that school and then uh, its first executive director. Um, and then um, got my doctorate in education and I uh, shifted to teaching teachers. And so the last um, 10 years I've been teaching at Bemidji State University uh, in the education department and focused on science education. And we when I got that job, we moved up to Bemidji for five years, and then I um, had the opportunity to, to shift to a program that we have that is based in the Twin Cities. And so I meet students at a, at, um, a Twin Cities campus and then teach online the rest oh, of the nice. time. And so that allowed us to move back to Northfield um, about three, almost four years ago, which was which we've always considered our home. This mm. is where we raised our kids. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. It's funny how that does it, no matter where you came from, where you raised your kids, if you have children, seems to be that's where you call mm-hmm. home, if you're able to uh, stay at one place yeah. long enough to be able to do that. Um, you also have written a couple books. And, oh, wait, I want to go back to being a musician. How, how, is, how, how have you brought that into your mm. teaching? Or, I mean, or how has it informed the way you teach? Perhaps? Well, every now and then I will bring music in. Got um, it. And I would, um, especially when I taught middle school, um, I would... Uh, bring my guitar and we would sing a song or something, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and but I think I do share music with even my my current students, really to encourage them to bring their own creativity mm. to their teaching. It they don't have to be masters at it. Right. Um, you don't have to be a great singer or guitar player or piano player to bring music into your classroom. You don't have to be a 
a great artist to to share your art with your students to encourage them to express themselves through artistic means. And so you teach science, so somebody might look at that and go, well, why, why would you, why? Why bring the creative artistic side into teaching science? How does that help science? I totally agree, but <laughs> I'd like you to explain. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's all about seeing the world uh, and, and understanding the world, and, yes. and the arts are, uh, as, as humans, we make sense of the world through the natural sciences and the social sciences, and we use literature and art to then express that understanding mm. and and so that's uh, so art said. is a big big component of that absolutely i i think it helps your brain learn other things too helps you learn science or math or whatever better it does you, absolutely you, it yeah. does yes so uh now i start to talk about that the fact that you are, are also an author you're very talented man, various talents, and so you've written a couple books. And so tell us a little bit about that, and then how is writing a book, nonfiction, mm. different from songwriting? Well, I've got, yeah, I have three books. One is called Within These Woods, which is a collection of essays about the North Woods um, with um, uh, my own artwork in it. And, uh, cool. and you, you, You're an artist, too? I, I would say I'm an illustrator. Illustrator? Well, that's an art. Um, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I have a book um, that's uh, about uh, environmental literacy called Ecological Identity, um, and I'm working on a, a, a revision of that right now. And then I have a book um, about education um, okay. that I use in one of my classes that is a textbook. Awesome. So it's not a not a page turner. You would call you a Renaissance <laughs> man because you have so many talents in so many different areas, particularly with bringing in the the right and left brain, or a That's jack of all trades. Jack which, of all trades. Which, <laughs> There's you know, way to put it. master of none, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, how is writing these these books that you've written different from when you sit down to write a song? Does it come from a different part of your brain? Do you think, or do you think it's all kind of the same, or what do you think? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I. I think there is a lot of similarity. Um, even even a nonfiction, which is what I write, um, there's an element of narrative and there's an element of story to it, mm. and that there's that's the same with a song. Even if it's a song that is not a story that doesn't have a defined character, but is more well, like my heartaches is you know there's there's no character in that. Um, there's still a narrative element to that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think it's pulling from that same same part of the brain that needs to create a narrative and to create that kind of structure and to have an element of story uh, to express an idea. Well, and I think that nonfiction cries out for that most times, and sometimes it's not there, and it's very dry, right? Difficult yeah. to read, and particularly for students to grab onto and want want to read, and it's not a chore if you bring in the the, the story and the narrative to it. Right. And I got to believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that writing songs has helped you be a better writer. I, I think so. Writer. the The songwriting, especially, is 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 the singer having a really in conversation with, with the listener. Um, and I approach my, my uh, nonfiction uh, writing the same way, that mm. I'm having a conversation with my reader. Um, and so I, I write with that kind of voice. 
Um, and I think um, my songwriting has is shifting to being more of that kind of voice as well. Um, that's that's wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, we need to move on, and I want to talk about, uh, as I do most weeks, the, the importance of music. And I'm changing this up a little bit, so thank you for being my guinea pig. All right. Um, instead of just asking you about what you, how you think music is important, I'm going to read a quote. And I'm going to do this, try to do this every week, and then co- let's comment on it. A yeah. quote about music. And so the one I picked out this week is uh, le- by, uh, said by Leonard Bernstein, who wrote West Side Story with Stephen Sondheim and uh, Jerome Robbins. Uh, he said, music can name the unnameable and communicate the unknowable. And when I read this, well, first of all, it just hit me, you know, as truth immediately and also then I thought well how can we discuss it without using music because they're saying that music can name the unnameable and communicate the unknowable but I think we can I think we can talk about that so what what how does that speak to you that quote what does that say to you that connects to what I think a a songwriter's job is uh, is at least a, a folk song writer um is building empathy, mm-hmm. and um, and so the the job of the the songwriter in the the cultural voice is to give voice to the voiceless, maybe mm-hmm. um, to walk in another person's shoes and then tell their story and build and to build empathy um, for that that person, that character, and and you know you can do that. Um, in more poetic ways, and you can do that in very explicit, you know, here's a character, this is what they've gone through, and this is their experience um, kind of songs as well. And But even those very specific songs, if they're about a very specific um, family conflict over a very specific issue, you know, I- even if you don't share that experience, you still share family conflict. Right. And so you can connect with that character and and then... That allows you, as a listener, to build empathy with with someone else, and realize it's. A, I guess it, literature does this too, right? It's all about um, communicating the human condition. Right, right. When I read that, I I read unknowable, communicate the unknowable and the unnameable as something um, universal, um, and I like that you put it, brought it down to the personal. That there are things that, well, particularly you and I, as being white people and being very privileged. Um, and having really not suffered, uh, uh, really at all, at all in in <laughs> those ways, in the in no. the systemic ways, right? Right, absolutely. Not. And yeah, and so the unknowable and the unnameable can be things that you have not experienced, and through music you can at least, like you said, gain empathy for right. the other that we consider the other, and and realize actually it's not the other, right? Right, yeah. we're all it's yeah. all of us. That's beautiful. Thank you. So. Um, I'll leave that there because you you just you said it so beautifully, and I would like to turn to your next song. And what you wrote to me when you sent me this is that um, the other song, meaning mystified, is one I just wrote this winter. I'm including this one as a recent one and a shift in my songwriting, a bit to focus less on more current events and more broader, more hopeful themes. So um, you went from my heart aches and talking about so many pains that we have in this society wanting to shift your gears tell me about that yeah it was a conscious decision in my Mm. songwriting um and 
I'm I'm part of a, a songwriting challenge uh, on on Facebook, where we get a in the winter we get a song prompt every two weeks, and then everybody writes a song, and then we all post it for each other to to look at. And, cool. And then in the summer we do it again, but every every week, so it really puts pressure on. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say. <laughs> and so this this winter challenge started right after the new year, and I told myself, no, we're gonna write. I'm gonna as much as possible find hopeful stories, mm. more hopeful characters, um, not necessarily write happy, cheesy songs, because though I'm pushing that envelope as much as I can. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> and, um, and just challenge myself to, to shift my writing to, to, um, away from, I, I still, I would consider myself a, a, a folk songwriter, sure. but, uh, but to shift, um, more towards finding those characters and telling those stories and and um though this song doesn't have characters in it either um well, but that be- and that doesn't mean I don't write sad songs right I was just um, going to say just because you're switching you're looking more toward the hope doesn't mean you're not going to take on serious subjects in right, your songs right, right? Yeah, yeah it's just that the the angle you're coming at yeah. is a little different right. yeah all right well um I think that it's time to take a listen to Mystified, um, written and played and sung by my guest today, Tim Goodwin. Dream sneak in with a morning light. They go where they go Like cigar smoke drifts in the night It's hard to keep a hold Time creeps up Then passes fast I don't know where we've been Like a wave, your love comes, then it comes again. Sometimes I'm mystified how this love thing works. Sometimes I'm mystified. Sometimes I'm mystified 
pallets full of joy and hurt. The splendor of grace, tears and embrace. Dreams come and go. Empty the nest we hope for the best. I guess that's how this love thing grows. Sometimes I'm mystified by how this love thing works. Sometimes I'm mystified. It's both joy and hurt This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Tim Goodwin. You just heard his original called mystified and you heard him too because he was playing the guitar and singing on this tune okay so uh first of all you have a quite a range i mean i don't know is that two octaves in there octave and a half you really get low and it's wonderful well the low part's easy but the (laughs) The high well you're hitting those notes you're right on and your clean guitar sound you don't have your those i don't I don't hear your fingers moving. Mm. A lot yeah. of times, when when you have that yeah. pick sound, you have that a lot of that rubbing yeah. on the on the strings, and that's what a wonderful clear clear sound. And um, I love the mysterious vibe of this, particularly the feel you have in your voice. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the inception of this song, and uh, well, the, the, yeah, right. The song prompt was mystified. Yeah, okay, that was Got the it. word. And I love that mystified yeah. by how this love things work. Love thing yeah, works. And, that's great. And so on on my desk, I have a picture of my family, like many people do. And I I just looked at that and I thought, how did we end up together? This, oh. you know, what what a series of events, you know. And of course, anything along the way could take you in a different path in your life and you don't end up with right. with the spouse you have or, or the children or the children you have right. and so that was it's like well that's just I'm mystified by it that it is mystifying yeah, isn't yeah. it and and so then the, the the song really is pulling imagery that is um personal to me and and my relationship with my wife and my kids mm. you know and so the the first verse is pulling imagery that's um about um, our first date, and um, oh, th- and then the um, the the second verse, um, the the line, uh, love comes like a wave and then comes again. So those are mm-hmm. my two children, mm. um, and uh, um, and then the the third verse is darkness rises with the sun, you know. So that's that's still we we go through this world together, weathering yeah. the the darkness that still comes up even though it doesn't right. seem like it should right, right. And, um, just like we were talking you yeah. still have the serious elements right. in your songs yeah. but there's hope there yeah and uh and uh, the tide goes in and out uh walking the beach when we were first married we were with her family um at, at, a, at the beach in virginia or north carolina and her grandparents were 
walking along um, the beach um, hand in hand. And mm. then they were um, approaching 80, I think, and, um, and moving pretty slowly. And, and she said, I, that's what I want. I want yes. to be able to do that. Yes. And so that's where that's that comes sweet. from. That's yeah. sweet. That is really so. sweet. Thank you. Thank you. So we're coming toward the end here. And so I do want to t- hear about maybe one of your best and worst gigs, if you have any to share. Um, if um, not, we'll move on. But do you? <laughs> do you have a story for us? Um, well, I mean, you know, the kind of gigs I usually play are, you know, in bars and things like that. And mm-hmm. so if yeah. people are listening, it's great. Yeah. But a lot of times um, I, I remember playing um, – out at the cidery and there was a, a pretty good crowd there and there was a group um, sitting at a table right in front of me m- pretending that they were not there listening to music just very loud <sighs> guffawing conversation and it was just very distracting and yeah, yes. they just had no idea that they were distracting me and you know and being very rude and just you know, and, and they weren't there to listen to music. Right, they, you know, exactly. that's not why they came. But right. so that's that's often the case with with uh, places like that. And I suppose you know the argument: well, you got to capture them, and I didn't, uh, right? Oh, I think there's some groups you cannot <laughs> capture, no matter what. Particularly if, depending on how much they've been drinking. And there's a thing out there. I don't know that uh, bachelorette parties are just the worst. Mm. You do yeah. not want bachelorette yeah, right. parties showing up to yeah, your gigs. Yeah. And my favorite place yeah. to play, I play every year at the state park in Bemidji mm. and they have a little outdoor amphitheater and and there everybody comes to listen yeah. you know and and it's this beautiful in the woods setting under the pines and and it's always lovely except when a tornado comes through which happened one year so we had to oh, no. <laughs> cancel but <laughs> okay so that wasn't your worst gig because you did cancel <laughs> right yeah right. <laughs> well I find that ambiance um, your your environs so often makes for the best gigs and those yeah. outside gigs I think are so great you don't have to worry about feedback your sound mm-hmm. you don't have to, right yeah yeah so that's wonderful so to wrap up I would like you to tell us um, you're playing let's see at Froggy's Friday April 15th this Friday yep um, starting at seven thirty, and uh, and you play. We haven't even talked about the kind of music you play. I did in the intro a little bit, but I think you got a taste for it for the music mm-hmm. that you played: um, blues, folk, Americana kind of stuff. And uh, anything else? Any other gigs that you want to tell tell us about? Um, well, I'm going to be back up in Bemidji um, on Father's Day, mm. uh, whatever that Sunday is, and then I'll play playing at the Armory in July um, uh, outside and then playing again at um, or in August I guess that is and out at the cidery um, in in July and I don't have much else arranged yet got it and I was just going to say yet so where can people find your schedule and your music Um, they could find uh, at timothygoodwin.net is my website and um, I have a blog there who doesn't, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not a writer. I do not. So. <laughs> and so there's a, a section there for about my music, and they can um, sign up to get on my email list there. Oh, great. Yeah. All right. So everybody go out there uh, to Tim's website, check him out, sign up for his newsletter so you know when he's playing, 
and go down to Froggy's on Friday at 7.30 to hear you. Hear you. That'd be great. Thank you so much for being on the show. What a pleasure. What a nice, wonderful discussion. Thank you. It was yeah. great to be here. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you were. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so very much to Tim for spending time chatting with me today, sharing his journey and his music. And I so appreciate all of you out there listening to Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have a terrific day.